Hello, and welcome back to the Break the Twitch podcast on minimizing distractions and doing more of what matters using a framework of minimalism, habits, and creativity. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro. And on this episode, I'm joined by my lovely co-producer of Break the Twitch, my wife, Amy, and we dive into all things minimalism and decluttering. We talk about our decluttering process, the different systems and things we used that worked really well for us, the things that didn't, and things like who minimalism is actually for and what are the benefits that we've directly seen from embracing a more minimalist lifestyle. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by the Break the Twitch member community, something that I would love to invite you to join as well. The member community is a way that you can support the work that I do with Break to Twitch while getting access to really cool things behind the scenes. For example, I just uploaded a 21-day audio series. Each day has three to five minutes of audio that is designed to be listened to in the morning to help you start your day with intention. These are the types of things I'm creating actively for the member community. So if you have found value in the work that I'm doing, I'd love your support. You can find out more at breakthetwitch.com slash community. But for now, let's start the show. In this episode, we are sitting down with the co-producer of Break the Twitch, my wife, Amy, and we're going to be digging into decluttering and our experience with minimalism, really because that was the first thing that we dug into when we started Break the Twitch, and it really became the first sort of pillar of what it meant to Break the Twitch. So we're going to be talking about that today. What do you think? Yeah, let's get into it. So when we first learned about minimalism, I think the decluttering method that stuck with us and that we liked the most was the men's game. Definitely. That was my personal favorite. There are a bunch of different methods you can use. The four box method, there's the Kunmari method, which is really popular because of the Marie Kondo book about tidying up. But the one that really stuck for us was men's game, where you get rid of one thing on the first day of the month, two things on the second day, three things on the third and so on. It, it felt like a very systematic approach. And, and it builds, it gradually builds. So you kind of work your muscles a little bit at the beginning and then it kind of builds up from there. And by day 30, you're getting rid of 30 things. And throughout the course of the month, you have gotten rid of almost 500 things. Right, so it really adds up. And I really loved the aspect of how you build that decision muscle. It's a process. If someone asks you to get rid of one thing, right? If you have a household of clutter, someone asks you to get rid of one thing, it's not that big of a deal. You can get rid of a paperclip or business card or... That's what I got rid of first. <laughs> Towards when we first started Men's Game, I got rid of business cards that I was going to throw away anyway. Right. And so it's an easy start. And in a way, the resistance is super low to getting rid of things when it's just that little. So that I definitely found that helpful. Yeah, I think anything that you can do to make the process easier for you when you're first starting out, it's more sustainable in the long run. If you start with the hard stuff or you start with something seemingly overwhelming, like I can imagine people getting overwhelmed with the Kanmari method because she wants you to go through 
all of your things in one category from all parts of the house. I mean, that's kind of hard if you don't even know where things are. (laughs) If you've misplaced all your scissors and you're hunting around your whole house for all the scissors that you have, I mean, that could be really overwhelming. Totally. I get how that can be a very effective method in terms of going around the entire house, finding out that you have eight pairs of scissors and there's absolutely no need for that. But it's sort of, that method to me felt like my closet or the room was just throwing up on itself. That was one thing that I really didn't like. I can see how the Kenmari method would be really effective if you're that like dive in head first, Mm -hmm. tear the house apart person, find all the scissors in every corner of the house. And if you have a week to dedicate fully. (laughs) Right. But this totally messes up rooms of your house and it's not very isolated either. It felt like go get every piece of clothing you have and dump it on your bed or dump it on the floor somewhere. That just felt like a lot for us. I think it's just preference on how you want to start. For us, I think it worked out better to start smaller and have it build throughout time. And I remember, so at the beginning, I was throwing away business cards that I probably would have thrown away anyway. But towards the end, I remember donating barely worn clothing, basically new. And that was something that I couldn't have foreseen myself doing when I first started. And that's just testament to how the game really builds over the course of the month. It really became more of a decluttering habit by building it slowly that way, just like any other habit. It just became this practice of doing it when we'd be focusing on it in certain months. And I really liked that aspect as well. The The whole thing with the clothing, I did some of that too, where I got rid of things that I hadn't worn that much or things I bought because they were on sale, but then it didn't fit quite right. But I had that guilt around it. Mm -hmm. It was, it's really hard to get past that sometimes, but this is where that Seth Godin quote about, about really everything you own at this point is a gift from your past self. So you just have to choose whether you want that gift today. Would you accept it? Were you to give it to yourself today? Because past you gave it to you and you just kind of have to think of it like that. Every day is a new day. So that I found that to be helpful during that process as well. There's another one created by Josh and Ryan from The Minimalist, the same as the men's game one. They created something called a packing party. And this is basically you, you pack up your entire house like you're moving, but don't move. And then you just pull out items as you need them. And after a certain amount of time, you ship it off because the things that are left, you obviously haven't used. So that one was super intense. We didn't even try that one. No, I think it's probably more practical if you're actually moving. Totally. At least that's how I viewed it. It felt really disruptive (laughs) to do that. But I I can see how it would be a really good thing to do if you wanted to make a drastic change. Mm -hmm. That would be another way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Put everything in boxes. Think about how big of a pain moving is already and just move without actually moving. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, it could work for some people, but yeah, not for us. I think if you're moving, that's the time yes. to do it because you've already have your stuff in boxes. Then instead of just unpacking everything and putting it away, leave the stuff in boxes for a while, pull out each thing as you need it. And that might be an effective strategy, but we didn't try that one. It just felt like a bit much. Out of all of the decluttering methods, men's game did end up working out the best for us, but different things work for different people. And so for pros and cons on the top six decluttering methods, we do have a blog post that we've written in the past and we'll link to that below. There was one custom rule that we created during our decluttering process because we were going through the men's game together, doing some 
separate individual items and some of our joint property as well. Yes, I remember that rule. It's It was that if one person didn't agree with the item going or being donated or whatever, you moved on. And that saved us a lot of time, energy, and we kept on going. That was the most important part. Right, because what would happen is sometimes we'd get stuck on something that one person wasn't sure about yet and the other was ready to get rid of, and then we'd sort of debate it and lose energy in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the process, lose that momentum. So it was really helpful to have that rule like, okay, nope, not ready for this yet. Let's shut it down, move on. Now, if the other person just doesn't want to get rid of anything, that rule obviously will not work. (laughs) I think both parties need to be willing to make some cuts and willing to progress on through the decluttering process. And so we were lucky in that we both were dedicated in wanting to declutter our lives and get rid of things. Right. We were both on the same path of wanting to head in that direction. So that's why I created that rule to just respect each other's choices in that moment and and not move on to the things that we weren't ready to get rid of yet. Mm -hmm. Speaking of momentum, one of the things that I found particularly helpful were our trinket boxes. Just small little boxes. Mine was the Rubbermaid plastic kind of thing, maybe a foot by two feet. And I would just put things in there that were things I would never get rid of, like a gift from my grandfather or the harmonica that I got from my great grandmother. Things like that I would never get rid of, but don't really have a place in day-to-day life around the house. It was really nice for me. Yeah, that was really helpful for me too. In my trinket box, I had some things from childhood. I had some letters that people had written me, and I just find it really cool to be able to look at some stuff like that and hold it in your hands again. And that, I don't think, will change for some people. And so it's nice to have a place where you can put things like that. And Maybe you get rid of it later. And I know that for me, I've gotten rid of some things that in my trinket box that I didn't want to get rid of at the time, but then looked back a year later and went, okay, I feel like I'm ready to let that go. But it's an evolution. It's a process. And having a trinket box, I feel, was really helpful when we were going through it. Definitely. And your views change, right? Like you just said, you might come back later, revisit it and realize that that's not as special to you as you thought at the time, or you're ready to let it go. But that doesn't mean you have to. I think the the focus on minimalism being this saying of just letting go of all things, I do think it's important to detach your sense of self-worth from the things that you own, and minimalism is a great practice for doing that. But it doesn't mean detaching from all things. You mm-hmm. can be sentimental about things in your life. Let's just kind of focus on getting rid of the things around those things. Often with minimalism, people have their hot button areas. Yep. Yeah, I've gotten questions from people that are like, can I still be a minimalist with all my books and things like that? To me, the answer is absolutely yes. So books are one of the big topics. Uh, clothing is another one of the big ones. And then kitchen stuff. Yeah, is that's big. mine. Yeah. <laughs> we do love our kitchen stuff, which we'll get to in a second. But um, what do you think about books? What's your personal opinion on books and where they kind of exist in your minimalism space? I like to go back and reference books from time to time. So sometimes I'll be thinking about a portion of a book and go, oh, I want to go back and reread it. And it's really nice having it on the bookshelf for me to be able to thumb through physically. I have a Kindle. I love it for traveling, but it's just just different Mm -hmm. um, thumbing through the book. Yeah, I definitely prefer physical books as well. I don't tend to be able to read as well on the screen, even if it is that fancy e-ink stuff. But... I, I like having the book and my views have changed substantially. I kind of went from having a ton of unread books, 
realizing that I would need to declutter those books and sell them or give them away in order to focus on the books that I wanted to read now. That was a big thing that I did, and it really helped me read more. But now I've loosened a little bit after learning more about how those books can be used as a bit of a reference library, and they don't necessarily need to be read from cover to cover in order to get a lot of value from them. So we definitely have a bookshelf, and it's pretty full, but it's not a very big bookshelf. Clothing got easier for me over time. Yeah, it was definitely hard at first, but I did reach this point where I saw this pattern that I was doing where I would wear all of my clean clothing and finally I would end up only wearing the clothes that I hated once all the other stuff was dirty and I really didn't like that. So that was sort of a catalyst that allowed me to get rid of like 70% of my clothing since I've streamlined, gotten shirts that I really like and made a lot easier. I would say I probably got rid of 70% of my clothing as well. And now I wear seasonal stuff aside, right? So you're not going to wear a big sweater in the summer. But seasonal stuff aside, I pretty much wear most pieces of clothing. I would say 95% of things in my my closet as opposed to 30% before we started on the minimalism path. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that if you haven't worn something in a year... Or if there are still tags on something you've bought six, nine months ago, it's probably safe to sell. You can actually sell a lot of clothing, especially if it's new with tags on eBay, Craigslist. I see a ton of listings for things like that. So it's probably time to let go of those things and you'll probably be better off for it because it'll make space for the new. It'll make space for the new things you want. I don't get hung up on the number of clothing that I have. Oh, no. Yeah. So some people find it really helpful, though. So they... Like Project 333, I think, is helpful for a lot of people. And if that helps you, I would absolutely do it. Right. That's Courtney Carver's project. Uh, 33 items for three months, not including athletic wear and some other basics. But. Maybe some accessories. I can't remember. But mm-hmm. I think the rule with athletic wear is you actually have to work out in them. Yes. No athleisure wear allowed. You, you have to actually work out in this stuff. You can't count it as your extra stuff. But there's a ton more on that at project333.com and you can read all about that. But, but you were saying. I was saying that for me, I don't get hung up on the number. It's more about what I love to wear and what I feel good in. And I just leave it at that. Right. I'm really not concerned about the number either. We didn't find any particular framework necessary for our clothing stuff, but I know it's helpful for a lot of people. One thing that I try to do with my clothing is pick very classic pieces. So things that don't really go out of style very quickly. So that's why you'll see a lot of basic colors. Like I'll wear a lot of grays, a lot of blacks, a lot of blues, not so much super patterny stuff. And I think that helps as well. And keeping clothes around longer and only replacing them when you really feel like it's time for a change or they start wearing down. Totally. And that's why you see minimalists wearing typically the black, gray, the the more muted colors, because it goes with everything and it's more versatile. So you can create more outfits out of fewer items of clothing. Kitchen stuff. Right. Kitchen stuff is a big point of contention, I know, for a lot of people. Some people are super into it. Other people couldn't care less. But we are on the side of caring about it. I know you love your kitchen utensils. I do. And I've said this before, but I'm the type of person that if I use it once a year, it's being used. It's it's staying. <laughs> it's not going. Right. I mean, I think of things like our paella pan, and it only gets used like five times in the summer. Right. But it's awesome when we use it. And it's it's a thing that I want to keep around. Totally. And and 
that's a reasonable thing. I think those are all the kind of individual decisions that we have to make around this stuff. How much value it's bringing those summer nights around the grill that has that perfect paella pan on top and the friends and, and family we can do that with. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I have grown a lot in this area. Ever since we started decluttering and embraced minimalism, we haven't bought any additional kitchen things and we've gotten rid of a lot. Right. So we definitely cleared out quite a bit and have eliminated the inflow of new kitchen gadgets. And I think our mentality embodies our definition of minimalism, that it's kind of a process that evolves. It, there's no set rules that you have to follow, no certain number of items, no council of minimalism judging your <laughs> what you get rid of and what you don't. Right. There are no minimalism credentials. You don't get an ID card in the mail. It, it really is about just figuring out which one of these strategies to declutter will help you, what sort of lifestyle you want, and how the stuff around you reflects that. And I think that's really how we've treated minimalism. We may have more stuff than another person who says that they are a minimalist, but for us, our situation works really well, and we've made it all come together. For us, minimalism is about making sure that the stuff in your life isn't holding you back from doing the stuff that you want to do. Or the desire for more and more and more stuff also is not holding you back from the things you actually value. I like to think of it more as you're challenging yourself on letting go of more items as you go along, as you move through the minimalism journey that's very personal to you. You're not really comparing yourself against some other minimalist and how many things they have versus how many things you have. You're more focused on these are the things that I have and I'm decluttering the things that I feel ready to let go of and I'm feeling really great about it. And that kind of evolves throughout the years. Right. So that in a way, minimalism becomes another competition of how to declutter more stuff than someone else or how to have a certain look to your house that someone else has. It's really about personal journey and about figuring out along the way what makes sense for you. All of this to say that we definitely have seen substantial benefits from embracing a more minimalist lifestyle, even on our own terms. Yeah, I would say that we've decluttered quite a bit and in doing so gained more space in our house and we spend less time cleaning. We also have spent less overall. I think part of the pain that you go through of letting go of items that you've bought but then didn't use is you realize how much money you've wasted and that curbs your current slash future consumption. It definitely adds weight to the process of buying something, knowing that that might be in a donation bag a few months from now if you don't end up using it. So that has definitely been helpful. And I think we've just been able to take bigger risks in our life. We've been able to take some leaps into working for ourselves full time and, and doing things that we might not have otherwise if we had had substantial financial commitments that we hadn't eliminated or gotten the money back by selling a lot of the things we weren't using. So there's definitely been a benefit, even though I wouldn't say we're hardcore minimalists by any means. I would say minimalism to us is really part of the framework of how we do more of what matters and create space in our lives to be able to do what matters. Mm-hmm. Speaking of buying stuff and adding weight to the buying decision, there definitely are still things that we buy. We don't completely shut it down. There are things that 
bring us joy or allow us to do the work we do better or just things that we feel help take care of ourselves. For me, my big one is camera equipment, production equipment. It's what we use to do a lot of the work we're doing. And I am on this constant pursuit to try to improve the quality of what we're doing. And I see a lot of that is practice. A lot of that is just building the skill, but also having the right kind of gear. There's definitely a mix. So that's one of the things that I still am spending money on. Yeah, I still buy stuff. I mean, I buy clothes still. I just buy less of them. But I still do buy stuff to either replace clothes that are getting worn down or things that break. Like just the other month, I got a new pair of sunglasses. I still buy health and beauty things that I use. And so it's not that you can't buy stuff if you're a minimalist, but maybe the amount and frequency lessens a bit. Right. And for me, I kind of have a rule of the things that I buy, the things that I invest in or spend money on. I want those things to create. I want them to create experiences. I want them to help create videos, create media, different things that we make. And that's just a general guideline that I like to use when it comes to stuff. Now you can use that as an excuse for just about anything, especially when it comes to creating experiences, but you have to be true to yourself in terms of what that means for you. I really do feel like minimalism can be beneficial for everyone. Absolutely. It's something that literally provides a framework for removing distractions from your life. Removing the clutter. Exactly. Clutter, distractions, things that are not in line with what you actually want, the things that you want to be spending your time on. Get rid of those things so you can actually do more of what matters to you. And it's not just the physical things either. It can be the emotional clutter, the calendar clutter. Maybe you're overcommitted and overscheduled, and that's where minimalism could benefit you. Absolutely. It really is about removing the excess, removing the clutter, minimizing distractions, and doing more of what matters to you. It's a perfect framework for that. No matter how much stuff you get rid of or don't get rid of, you can use this mentality as a tool to really strengthen your life, I think. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're preparing for a big leap, a change in career maybe, or wanting to try something new, a lot of times you have to create space for it first. Right. Having the space to react appropriately, to be able to take those bigger risks. A perfect example of this was Greg McEwen, who who talked about this in his book, Essentialism, where if a car is stopping in front of you, how much time do you want to react? If you're rushed, if your calendar is already full, you're going to rear end that car probably versus having more space to make an appropriate decision on what to do. The same analogy applies across minimalism, just creating space for getting there and reacting. I mean, that's why we started with minimalism back in 2014, 2015. Why we needed to create space was because we wanted to make big changes in our lives. And we did that very intentionally. And it wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for minimalism. Yep. And one of the biggest things I found too is if you don't know where you want to go, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not happy with your job, your your situation, instead of adding stuff to try to make it better, start by removing things so you can get clarity on what you actually want. So that was one of the most helpful things for me during that process, just finding clarity around, okay, what needs to change by creating that space? So after the show, I normally highlight one of the things that I really took away from the conversation, but because I was talking so much during this actual podcast episode, I'll just say this. 
I really do think that minimalism is a wonderful framework for just about everyone. For anyone that wants to remove distractions from their lives or just remove some clutter so they can focus on the more important things, minimalism is a great way to do that. It doesn't have to look any one particular way, but you can just kind of use it to design something that works for you. So as you probably know, reviews are super important to getting the word out about podcasts like this one. So if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever player you happen to be listening on, I would greatly appreciate it. You can also subscribe on YouTube to see the full video versions, highlight clips, and the other videos I make if you're listening right now. And if you're watching on YouTube, of course, this podcast is available in audio form everywhere podcasts can be found. Thanks again for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week.